Welcome to the Adversity to Advantage podcast. This is the place to learn how to get through your worst rock bottom and start to embrace adversity. I'm your host, Petra Belzebor. I'm a therapist and a life coach, but my biggest learning is from my own rock bottom. My story includes being raised in a cult, dealing with depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts, and alcoholism. But along the way, I've learned to turn my entire life around to one of success, joy, and fulfillment. So in this podcast, I'll be talking to people from all walks of life who've done the same. I'll be teasing out the skills and tools necessary, as well as using my own experience to teach you how to turn your adversity into your biggest advantage. Welcome everyone to the Adversity to Advantage podcast. I'm very excited today. We've got Wendy Sage, who is a coach. She's a counselor, a facilitator, and she helps people, uh, offer the, offers them skills and accesses perspectives, new perspectives on their lives to help them navigate the challenges and adversity in everyday life. Welcome to the show, Wendy. Thank you so much. So thanks so much for being here. So fill in the, the blanks for us. Um, tell us, tell the listeners a little bit about what you're passionate about in, in work and in life. What I'm passionate about, well, I'm passionate uh, of the work that I do. I, I love the work that I do, and I'm passionate in developing it further, developing myself, and working with people. I, I love that working bit about with people. It that sort of excites you? Uh, I, yes, actually, it is the bit about it. I, I, I really believe that everybody has gifts. And everybody has strengths and weaknesses, and it's accessing those gifts and accessing those strengths and, and, and being aware of our weaknesses and being okay with them. Um, and, and, I, and I love working with people, and, and they're the moment that they realize that in themselves. And, and I learn so much from everybody I work with. Absolutely. I, f- I find that every single person I work with, no matter how far along I am in the journey, teaches me something. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I also find it with these podcast interviews. It's just the engagement with people that um, I'll just listen to somebody's story and learn so much for me right at the, the moment that I need it. So no pressure. Okay. Thanks so much. <laughs> so Wendy. And vice yeah. versa. Oh, you know, wow. It's great to, to, to learn from you as well. Hopefully it will be a two way street. Um, so give us a little bit of context. Uh, you know, tell us a little bit just about your childhood, your parents. Um, do you think the, the education system and growing up sort of prepared you for life as an adult and the challenges we would face? Well, I grew up in Montreal, Canada. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, 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 the youngest daughter, out of how many? Two. I have one older sister and myself, and okay. and and it was my mum and my dad. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I had a really nice uh, upbringing. You know, uh, family life, lots of cousins and aunts and uncles nearby. I, I think it was great bringing the younger sister because I I used to watch my sister make mistakes and then learn my way around nice. so I learned to navigate really early on you know like if she came home really late at night and got into trouble I would then know what to say when I came home really late at night huh. so I wouldn't get in as much trouble that kind of a thing um, and we were close family uh, and um, I suppose my parents uh, I don't know 
how great their relationship was always. But when after 30 years of marriage, they decided to divorce. Mm. Uh, and I think at that time, I might have been in my uh, late teens or early 20s. I can't really remember. And I think that, yeah, it, it, it was a hard... Um, it was different, you know, it was just so different. So, so you, my mother was coping with her own stuff. My father was coping with his own stuff. At that point I had moved from, we all had moved from Montreal to Florida and I was living in Florida and I was working in Florida. Um, my sister then chose to move back to Montreal and uh, I, I suppose it, it was difficult. It was a difficult time. So I probably had to learn coping mechanisms at that stage, um, independence, more independence. Um, and then I moved, I met an Englishman. And as you do when you're young and you think, oh, great, you know, just take the next adventure. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I moved to the UK. I moved to London. Right. Um, when, when you were going through that sort of challenging time with your parents splitting up and you talk about coping mechanisms, did you veer to any sort of unhealthy ways of coping during that time? Um, well, I, I always just put it down to being young and having fun. Sure. <laughs> I know what that's like. <laughs> but actually they may, may well have been coping mechanisms. Um, you know, escapism. Yeah, yeah. Maybe the one too many drink, that kind of thing. I mean, I never had alcoholic problems, but you know, I I I it was a wild lifestyle mm. in my early 20s. I I guess if I look back at it now. Yeah. So you fell in love. And yeah, I fell in love, moved to England. So I think that was my very, you know, really first um learning curve you know a bigger learning curve in that all of a sudden I was away from all the people that I loved and away from the people who loved me different country different culture uh, at least the language was the same uh, and I had to cope I had to dig deep in my own resources and learn navigate my way around day-to-day -day life you know even from where to where to buy groceries where to go to the dry cleaner you know where to how to make new friends um and and I think I surprised myself at at at, at my own strength in um cope just adapting. just taking each day yeah adapting adjusting accepting and just taking each day as it came and what, what, where do you think you learned that um, skill in, about being independent and taking each day as it came? Well, I do think that part of it has to do with your DNA. Um, yeah. I, I, you know, I, I think that, I don't know, we're born, some people are born where your glass is half full and some people have the, you know, your glass is half empty. Yeah. Um, you know, and I'm definitely a, quite a very a positive person. Okay. Um, so I think that has a little bit to do with DNA. Um, uh, and I think uh, um, intention, you know, I, I, I set my intention to 
making a nice life for myself. You know, this is this is where I, I chose to live. And so I've just got to get on with it. So I suppose strength. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it sounds like over time you, you built up some support networks, uh, uh, work prospects uh, and things like that in order to settle into a new place. Well, actually, come to think of it, I was very fortunate because I had some really good friends who I was able to keep in close contact with. These were friends in North America and who regularly visited me in the UK. And um, actually, one very good friend of mine who also at the time, she left uh, Canada and and then she uh, moved when I pretty much moved to the UK, she moved to Israel. And and so we kept in contact and, and were able to talk, share our, our frustrations or uh, any emotions or feelings that we went through, we were able to share. And I guess that feeling of not being alone, of um, recognizing the same things in each other and being supportive of each other. So I had a good support network. Because it can be so isolating. I, I mean, I worked with some expat communities and um, traveled so much growing up and then moved here uh, when I was 22. So, so the idea of, you know, having to build from scratch in a new place um, is, is really challenging, not understanding quite the culture or the way things work. Um, at, but so it can really add to your, your strength in dealing with that, if we call it adversity in, in its looser term. Um, being able to deal with that can really strengthen you, your resolve and your tenacity. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think that my, my, uh, husband at the time had, had, had a big, uh, network of friends. And although they accepted me warmly, they, they, they welcomed me warmly. So although they might not have been, uh, exactly, you know, the same kind of people as me with the same way of thinking or even the same age group. But I had that. Sure. You, you were surrounded by possibility to connect with people. Yeah, I was surrounded. And, and, and I was always and I learned about the culture and I learned about the English way from them. So I'm really grateful to that. And they're, they're still good friends of mine to this day. Lovely. Um, so, as you know, the, the theme of the podcast is, uh, is around adversity, and we're beginning to touch on some things now. Um, I refer to things like having a rock bottom or a crash point, because I'm really curious about, you know, how, how that impacts us. And do we need sort of rock bottoms in order to um, push ourselves to living our full potential or not? So just in thinking of those terms, adversity, rock bottom, what comes up for you in the next stages of your life? Well, wow. Well, wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I certainly hit rock bottom. Um, I had, I had my, my first, we got married and, and I had my first child and, and life was wonderful. Bliss. Yeah. 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 Um, well, bliss is a strong word. You know, it, was, it was, it was mostly good. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but I really enjoyed having my son and I met a lot of other new mothers. So that opened up a new world and that was great. And then it was like, let's have another child. Let's have another child. And, um, uh, I was 30 weeks uh, pregnant 
uh, and ran into some difficulties, mm. discomfort, pain, etc. And um, to make a long story short, um, they did an emergency C-section. They saw that the child was in distress. There was something not quite right. So they did an emergency C-section and, um, she was, it was a little girl. She mm. was two pounds, 10 ounces, mm-hmm. and she was put in an incubator. And at the time they didn't know exactly if there was anything wrong or they thought I had placenta failure and that's why um, she was under distress. Uh, but her lungs weren't completely um, developed and she couldn't breathe without a respirator. And at that time, because it's many years ago, um, respirators just work to an automatic pump. I think nowadays they, they are more aligned with a per child's breath. But at that time, they were just on their electric pump. And so if she breathed in deeply or had an extra breath, everything would get out of sync and discombobulated and, and, and she would stop breathing. Mm. And um, it happened several times and the... Um, the neonatal, you know, specialist said to me, you know, she just is not going to be able to breathe without, without the respirator. And, you know, we really ought to, you know, you have to make the decision. So we decided, um, you know, with that information to take her off the respirator and, and, and she died in my arms, you know, minutes or a minute later. Mm. So my world came crashing down. You know, you're, you're full of hope. You're full of dreams. You know, you're having a baby. What's next? And, uh, she couldn't make it. And I think as a mother, Mm. you feel that you weren't able to protect your child. Um, you weren't able to save your child. And that, that, that really took its toll on me. Um, well, I'm thinking I, first of that decision, um, you know, just being in that impossible situation where you've got to make that um, sort of horrific, uh, implausible decision, um, not to mention sort of the after effects. Well, you know, when I would look at her in her little incubator, all hooked up, Mm. you know, with tubes everywhere and this respirator in her mouth and her, you know, my heart, you know, ached, was ripped apart and, 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 and it just looked like she was suffering and I didn't want her to suffer. Yeah. Um, and I went very spiritual, uh, you know, I just, I, it wasn't at that, that moment, but I, 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 I guess, you know, I just felt, okay, well, she just wasn't, you know, meant to be, mm. you know, uh, with me on earth, you know, it was the universe, whatever it was. I don't, I don't know, you know, there, there's no answer. No, of course. And of sometimes course. there just is not an answer and it's just acceptance. 
Um, Which is so hard. She, well, she passed through me, you know, and um, there was a lesson in that, you know, in in her passing through me. Um, what did you learn? Well, I learned that things don't always go the way you expect them to go. Mm. You know, you, you, you know, you, you have to be, um, it sounds easy and, and believe me, it's oh, not no. easy, but, <laughs> yeah. but it's like, you know, life throws things at you and, and how do we bounce back? Yeah. How can I be resilient to, you know, because, because terrible things happen and we're out of control. That's what I learned. We don't have control. Which is terrifying when it actually happens to you and you realize how little control you actually have. Yeah. Yeah. How little control we actually have. Yeah. Because we work but so hard, don't we, to control all variables and to make plans and to imagine what things will be like. And then you get a curveball like that and it's like you just don't, you've never had to practice the resources for how someone deals with that. Yeah. Yeah. And and there and it was so many layers, you know, like like the, like the biggest onion you ever saw, because mm. and skin after skin, because there was uh, the layer of 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 my own grieving, my husband's grieving, my little boy who was three years old at the time. Um, so coping, you know, with, with all of that and then, you know, wanting to be supportive of him, wanting to be a good mom. Yeah, you've still got to show up and make food and, you know, for the, for the other child. Yeah, you still have to be that, that mom to the other child. Yeah, yeah. So it was, and it was actually uh, the head of the nursery school that my son went to that said to me, um, you know, what do you need to to be to be that great mother you want to be to your son, whose name is Ben, by the way? Yeah. Um, and 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 so, yeah, you, you know, and, and 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 who do you need to be, or what do you want to be to be to be that that wife? So I had to support myself and work through myself to then, you know, continue to be that mom and, and what, what, this may seem like a silly question because it's obvious with the trauma that that occurred but my question is what was your lowest point because sometimes it isn't right when the trauma occurs it's at a later date or it's at a different time when you simply can't cope anymore I, I had I had two two that two points mm. um one one point was I can remember we went on a when we felt strong enough again we went on a holiday we went on a skiing holiday so my husband myself and and Ben mm-hmm. and um, I remember watching these young people playing uh, pool or billiards in the bar we went to France and and you know we were sitting in the bar. Uh, in the evening and and they were having fun and they were laughing. And I remember feeling so, so sad and thinking, am I ever going to feel happy and carefree like that again? Mm-hmm. Um, so that was one. Yeah. Just a and, sense of hopelessness. Like you've been through so much and will you ever get back to enjoying an aspect yeah. of life? Yeah. Carefree. 
Yeah. That that carefree moment of 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 being, you know, not having experienced that such a deep pain. Right. Or yeah. So you still have a naive sort of trust in the universe and other people and life. Yeah. Yeah. So what was full this? of hope, full of yeah, dreams. joy, full of what's yeah, dreams of the future. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, unfortunately life does hit you you know, in different ways, as, as, as we were just saying. Um, and, and so my experience of that, um, and the next point, so, so if we fast forward a year, um, I, I, I did get, I got pregnant again. Oh, wow. And, um, I, I had an, a very careful, Oh, and monitored I can imagine oh <laughs> my god how stressful must that have been <laughs> yeah it was, it was but I, I felt in control actually I I was I I was I I really went overboard with scans and measuring I can imagine. The, the growth of the baby and and I was very fortunate my GP was very involved this time and and um it was well monitored anyway. Sure. Um, and I had a gorgeous little girl who I felt, you know, was my angel, mm-hmm. who, you know, God gifted me with this beautiful little girl. Um, but it was on her first birthday. Yeah. And when it was her first birthday, I cried and cried and cried because I felt um, so uh, badly or sad or maybe guilt or just so many, I was full of emotion. Of course. That Elizabeth, my, the, the child who, who didn't make it, her name was Elizabeth, that, that she didn't get to get to a birthday. She wasn't able, yeah, to, to, to become a year old. She was, didn't have that, um, you know, she wasn't able to experience that. And I, and I felt so badly about it, but it was almost, it passed, it passed through me. So I, I, I spent so much time crying and feeling so bad that I wasn't able to protect her enough to get to that point. But I then moved, it just, I was okay. All of a sudden it was like, okay, you know, I was able to sort of lay her to rest and move forward. So I think it took me a year of living with my, um, with my beautiful daughter, Abby, uh, and, and being able to accept that Elizabeth was gone. And, you know, not, and I mean, I knew she was gone and of I accept it, don't get me wrong, but just letting go. I let go of the sadness and embraced the joy of having my beautiful daughter that I had, that I have, um, and my son and, and my family life. And uh, I mean, that sounds beautiful and of course, easier said than done. And I'm curious about those, those couple of years in between, you know, what sort of support or what, what got you through? Uh, obviously it was something around the passing of time and possibly some healing with your, your daughter being born and, um, but what else was it? Did you end up asking for help? Did you get support from anywhere? Yes. Yes, I did. I, I saw, um, I did go and get, see a bereavement counselor. Okay. And, and I worked with her, um, and it was, you know, uh, it was, it, 
enormously helpful. I mean, yeah. Well, and what, what was it like? And I just mean that in a general sense, whatever you're comfortable talking about, just for our listeners, if, they, if they've gone through some kind of re- grief and they're thinking, perhaps I should talk to somebody, but maybe they're a bit worried or scared of what might go on if they've never accessed that kind of support. Um, what would that process be like for them? You know, I think the most cathartic thing of all was I was able to talk about her. Right. You know, um, I suppose if we, it's great to have friends to talk to, mm-hmm. um, but sometimes friends give their opinion. Right. You should <laughs> do, do this, this. You should yeah. do that. Yeah. 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 And um, when you're speaking to a counselor, you're 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 not getting any bias. Yeah. You know, they're they're. Um, facilitating you to express yourself and and yeah learning the skills to uh, process my the depths of my despair and sadness and um you know turning that energy into um you know, work. You know, the joy with my son and the the, the joy of my daughter. You know, with what I had, being present, yeah. becoming more present, but at the same time, you know, um, to, being able to to uh, be in touch with my loss, or you know, or what, or my experience, or part what's part of my life, who I am now. You know, who the 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 all the bits that added to to who I am as a person absolutely so how it's affected you and 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 made you who you are today yeah and also the fear you know letting go of the fear and 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 at that time you know being able to go forward with my daughter yeah all all of that and the above it it was I don't think I would have been able to be where I am today without the support that I had then yeah, so it was imperative that you processed it in your own way. It was imperative that I processed it in my own way. And it was also, you know, a lot of people that I met were uncomfortable. Uh, people you meet in the street, people would walk across the street to avoid a conversation because they didn't know what to say to me. And so it was up to me. I know this sounds ironic, but it was up to me to make them feel comfortable. Oh, isn't it? I see it all the time just with, with mental health issues as well. If somebody's, you know, if somebody's been off because they've had depression or they've been suicidal or, you know, the different varying degrees of, of issues and the discomfort is specifically in the British culture, but not only um, in, you know, what do you say to that person? Um, what could someone have said to you that would have supported you? Or what are the types of things people can say? Just because if our listeners are the friend or the partner or the brother or the sister of somebody who's struggling, um, what are the types of things that are useful? Yeah, you know, I, I, I think the most useful thing is, is simply, I'm really sorry for your loss. Yeah. You know, just acknowledging um, Not the loss. It. and Yeah, not avoiding, absolutely not avoiding. Yeah, because... Um, so you get that, you get that, um, that warmth off someone else. Um, you don't have to say anything if you don't want to, you know, like I don't have to respond if I don't want to, 
or if I'm too choked up or, or whatever my mood is at that moment, but just that they're acknowledging how I feel, uh, and what I experienced. And, and that, that's really, that's good. And, and that's useful to know because, um, even if your the, the person's reaction isn't a perfect, Oh, thank you so much. Or let's talk or, you know, something like that, that that's not, not necessarily a sign of a successful conversation. Um, just acknowledging and even if the person just says thank you or gets choked up like that's still um, useful within the relationship yeah because you've reached out yeah you've made that connection without um with any with no demand absolutely you know and you showed and, courage and vulnerability yourself yeah i love that you showed courage and vulnerability yeah absolutely just um you know i'm i'm really sorry yeah. Yeah. And I think sometimes even, you know, asking a question or uh, naming uh, your daughter Elizabeth or, you know, so because I think people uh, get so worried, whether whether it's a baby or, or somebody who's passed away, um, that if we talk about them, it's going to upset that person. When really the, the only place you could talk about her, it seems, par- partly was within your therapy because you didn't have to think about the, the impact or be worried in that way. Um, yeah. so, so acknowledging and talking about that person can be really comforting to the person who's struggling with grief. Uh, oh, it is. Absolutely. It is. And I, as I said, the right person, you know, right, or, 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 or you need to feel safe and, and, yeah. and, and I suppose you need to feel that it's okay to feel the way you do. Absolutely. You know, cause you get, Oh, you know, you, you, I would get things like, Oh, okay. It's, you know, well, this is what happened and it's time to move on. or 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 someone saying oh you know it must be so difficult to get out of bed you know so i'm just showing you two extremes i get it completely yeah but but the great the great thing um was that it 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 really empowered me to want to help other people It, it was the first uh spark yeah. within me that made me feel um, I, I've experienced this and I can I would love to help other people who are struggling with this experience. So I'm really curious about that because I know you work within coaching, counseling, resilience and adversity and the, that sort of space. Um, and you've had this this absolute tragedy in your life, and so you've had this spark. But what was the transition point into finding sort of your your calling and the things that you do now? I don't know what industry you were in before, or if you were working, or what helped you kind of build the building blocks. And then I'm also curious about the impact on your relationship of this event because it can often be quite challenging. Two two questions. Yeah. Start wherever you want. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So, um, the first one was that I, I, I got after, um, uh, I had, you know, the successful birth of my sec- my third child, yeah. Abigail, Abby. Yeah. And I, then when she was, I don't know, a little bit older, I, I decided I, I did a, um, I did my first, I started my foundation in psychotherapy okay. uh, because I wanted to get involved in bereavement work. And I did that. And then I started working uh, in a placement with um, a, a Camden Bereavement Trust. Mm. Uh, and I and I worked with them. And 
I wanted to continue uh, in this direction, and but my background was in interior design, uh, oh. and I always and um, and my husband uh, and and I have to say it was a struggle. We struggled because we grieved differently. quite differently. Of course, yeah, that always and, happens. And it was a struggle. It was a struggle, and it really impacted on a relationship. But you know, we were. Ha- we then, because we had our daughter and there was so much joy and, you know, we, we got into that pattern, you know, family life. And I have to add, he, he had two sons from a previous marriage. So we were very close and, you know, we all, we were a nice big family. Mm -hmm. Um, but what happened was I wanted to continue in this new path of career and he was very against it. Uh-huh. because he felt that I was successful in the work that I did as an interior designer and I was making a good living and he didn't think he, he felt that it wasn't something uh-huh. I should do and um, wasn't supportive of my Gee. wanting to change careers. And that really was just impacted on on my relationship with him because I I I just did I want to spend my life with a man who wasn't supportive of my growth and development and who I want who my authentic self as a human being do you think his concerns were from a practical perspective of you you've you've invested here you make good money that sort of thing or do you think there was another layer of you know, y- utilizing the, the adversity that you faced and the trauma that you faced within your work and that maybe he was less comfortable with that? I, I, I think it was a combination of the two. Yeah. For sure. On a practical level, he definitely wasn't. He didn't want to, he didn't want to, you know, he, he didn't want to have to Change your spend lifestyle. the money. Yeah. 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 Uh, and, I suppose maybe he was frightened of the changes it would bring. Who knows? Of course. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I I never asked him the question. Um, but it impacted. But it led. It led. Yeah, it was. It was a slow journey, but it led to our divorce. Got it. Um, because I didn't continue doing what I wanted to do. I did go back into the interior design world and. Um, carried on, you know, working with people in that way, which is still, you know, overcoming adversity because, you know, couples tend to argue a lot when they're trying to, you know, to, to decorate. Yeah. Especially. Yeah. But anyway, um, and I got involved in advising and gift, gift wear, and I enjoyed that. And I had lots of fun. And I, you know, I, I being the kind of person that I was, I, I just, um, looked at the positive and, and got involved with that. But my, I did, um, we did divorce and I did continue in, I got involved in the kitchen industry and I spent many, many years uh, designing kitchens. And I, during that time I met and married, um, my second husband and very sadly, um, about eight years into our relationship, he um, developed cancer. Oh my and um, just wasn't able to beat it. Um, 
And so that was an 18 month journey. It's very quick. Yeah. Yeah. It didn't seem so at the time, but if you think back now, very quick. Yeah. 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 So it just kept, you know, it came first and then, you know, he went through, you know, operation and then chemo and then, you know, we thought, great. Yeah. Beat that. And then sadly, very quickly, um, it came back and he had uh, more aggressive treatment, which, you know, there were lots of complications along the way. And, um, and then finally, you know, on the third, the third came back again. Uh, and they said to him at that point, you've got, um, you know, a 5% chance of survival. Um, and, and that, you know, well, that, I mean, that was an incredible experience of love, love and uh, support of, 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 of opening up the world of the doctors and the nurses and the carers that are in the industry that are, have they're such a purpose. And, and, um, and uh, for me, the most important thing was, was, you know, being there to help him get well. And when we realized that he wasn't going to get well, just to be able to, to be there and give him the love that he needed to pass on. Wow. How, so how the hell did you, you cope? Yeah. I have such pain in my chest now. Um, how did I cope? You know, everything in my life include, you know, I, uh, how did I, I how did I cope? Uh, by focusing on what I needed mm-hmm. to focus on. So I was very much in the present. At that point, I was, I had already, um, I had been involved, I got involved with mindfulness. Um, I was involved, I did a couple, some courses with a a company called Mindfulness Without Borders, who teach secular mindfulness and social emotional learning. And I, I, so that helped me a great deal um again support of very good friends um he mike my husband mike was who was suffering with the cancer and he had an enormous uh, group of very good friends who were so supportive to him and um i just took day by day each day uh my kids were great um, yeah, you know, life was just One about the time. I guess I gave up work. Yeah. I gave up work. The company I was working with at the time were, were also so supportive and they just said, you know, of course, you know, do what you need to do. And when you're ready, come back. So I was really, really fortunate. There was a great team at that time of uh, managers and, and directors um yeah so it was just about day to day and it was I was really focused on his needs more than my own um but but I managed 
I, I mean, I, I guess it was just um, courage. Courage. Again, courage. Was there, was courage. there a delayed reaction for you? And So, so I don't mean, way. of course, there was sadness and pain throughout completely, but I guess I mean another crash or a rock bottom at some point, um, you know, maybe much later than, than when he passed, when your, your courage was spent, you know, and you didn't have to focus on those day-to-day needs of him, and life had changed again. Sometimes I've, I've noticed with people that I've interviewed that um, that's when the rock bottom occurs or, or, or the new perspective. And it might be that you've that you've then you know sparked the drive to to build what you've now created. Um, first of all, I think that that I I always felt that I would be okay because of the loss of Elizabeth. I thought I would be able to cope yeah. better with the loss yeah. of Mike. But actually, oh, damn. that's not true. <laughs> It's no. just different, right? Um, I thought I would be really prepared. It's just different. And actually, your pain is yeah. cumulative. Oh, that's what I mean. It builds up. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I, I because, you know, because of that moment in that bar all those years before when I, when I felt, am I ever going to be free and happy and carefree again? And I did get there. Did I did you? get there in, in the next, you know, yeah, I did get, I mean, obviously as you get older and you experience things, you might not be as carefree, but I did experience Joy. happy. Um, I did experience, um, great happiness and I did laugh again and I did. And I, and I put that, I used to think your, your happiness and sadness is, uh, it, 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 it's like an elastic. And if you've, and if your elastic has stretched, stretched, deeper in sadness you have the capability of stretching higher in the opposite direction with happiness and, and that's if, if if you could sort of see that metaphor yeah, absolutely so so I, I i always in my pain and despair of of my beautiful lovely he was the most wonderful person you could imagine i i i, I did f- feel that in I would uh, I would eventually be able to it won't hurt as much as it does right so now so you knew from experience I, I, that time sort of changes things yeah. it changes your state yeah yeah I mean I have to tell you I still of cry course. to this day and, and and he's been passed you know almost you know okay. over 10 years now and and there are times when you know you hear a song or you think of something of or you 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 see something familiar and it yeah. catches your heart. Um, but you know you it be, you know you 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 know it's not as much and 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 you can you can navigate skillfully through yeah. everyday life. You can bounce back quicker. And and I. You can bounce back and be resilient, and it's made me stronger and more resilient. And I think that it was that experience that really made me think, you know, I I, I want to be have more purpose and meaning to what I do and working with people. You know, I I just continue 
um, designing spaces for other people. I, I love doing it for myself and it's a great thing mm-hmm. for me to do myself. But for me, I realize that what's meaningful and what's purposeful for me is, is taking all this experience that I've had and for me to learn the skills to be able to help people. And as I said, you know, um, navigate through challenges and adversities that we all we face absolutely do. in life. And are sometimes. you able to separate your pain from other people's pain? How do you manage that? Yeah. How do I manage that? Um, I, I, I think, um, I think I'm able, the empathy, I can really understand their, what they're experiencing, but I'm, when I'm, whoever it is, whether it's friends or clients or colleagues or, you know, any kind of, anyone I'm working with facilitating workshops, um, it's about them. Mm-hmm. It's not about me. Absolutely. You know, so, you know, so, so I, I, um, I, I don't, I'm not in my own personal headspace and, 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 um, ref, you know, it, I've, I've been able to reflect on perhaps what they're saying has impacted me, but I, I probably, if it's, if I'm, if it's a struggle, I would be able to do that at a later time. And in the, when I'm with the working or, you know, talking with someone of, of their experience, it's about their experience. I don't, Absolutely. Um, I don't know if third person, it's third person listening. I don't stay in first person, you know, it's about, but them. there is something about beautiful about making it about them, but the, the undercurrent connection that pain can bring us. So that empathy, as you spoke about it, um, I know when I hear, of, of, you know, traumatic stories that, that people might tell me, I, I, it does tap into pre- previous pain and I connect with it in a deep and profound way that allows me to be a, a pretty good listener and, and support for people. Um, so I don't know, and you might answer this question, I don't know for me if I hadn't had the pain that I've gone through, if I'd be in the position that I am to support people in the way that I do, because it's less about theory and more oh. about like heart. And I'm just wondering for you, yeah. Uh, right? Oh, it makes such a, a difference. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Yeah. Of course. Um, because, you know, it's about experience. It's about connection with other people. Absolutely. Isn't it? You know, and, 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 um, it is. Yeah. You know, it's about, and I guess, and I yeah. guess it's make, making people feel like, realize that they're not alone. Um, that's what's, um, made me want to do this podcast. And, um, because I was so isolated, you know, t- uh, 12 years ago when I was suicidal that, um, I just felt, <clears throat> I just felt like I was the only one in the world that felt that way. And so there is something beautiful just about hearing your story and, and hearing of, of the uh, immense challenges that you've been through and how you have channeled them into good. So into giving back into supporting other people. Because I think everyone would totally understand if you decided to stay under your duvet for the next 10 years, you know, Um, but somehow you haven't. Um, You know, I chose life and, you know, you can go under that 
that duvet and hide from the world, but I chose life. And actually what really, what really, um, worked for me was I also feel that I want to live my life for Mike. Beautiful. You know, he didn't get the opportunity to, to continue all the dreams and he had so many of what he wanted to do. And he died a young man. And it's like, you know, I want to live, I want to embrace, you know, everything I can for, for, for him as well, because he didn't get that opportunity. And, and it's so precious and I'm so grateful of every single day that I'm so healthy and that I'm able to, because, um, sadly there are so many people who can't, you know, so, um, choose life, life. you know, and be grateful for the life that you have. Yeah. And whatever that is, whatever that is for you, you know, the work, um, whatever that might look like. You know, and it's, and everybody's got their own, you know, their, their own, own version thoughts, of what success or happiness looks like. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, Wendy, thank you so much yeah. for, for your story. I, I mean, it's an incredible just to hear what you've been through and how you've channeled it into your, your purpose. Um, if people want to work with you or connect with you in any way, where can they find you? Well, um, my website is the Sage Plan, um, so they can look at my website, or they can. I have a, a Facebook page, which is the Sage Plan. I've got an Instagram, which is the Sage Plan. So I'll, I'll link into. It sounds like you're the Sage Plan everywhere. You've got the best surname of all time. <laughs> <laughs> I am very <laughs> fortunate sort of with that. that yeah, um, but we'll add in your website and, and details into the podcast show notes. Um, until then, Wendy, thank you so much for for your time. And I think our final thought is is choose life. Thank you so much. And thank you so much. It's been so wonderful to speak with you. Thank you so much for listening. If something helped you today, please do share this episode with a friend and let them know that they are not alone. I know that for me, isolation kept me stuck much longer than I needed to be. So let's practice courage and talk to someone about what's going on, as that's the first step to making life amazing. Check out my website, petravelsboer.com, for your free Kickstarter plan, which will teach you to turn your biggest weaknesses into your greatest strengths. Join the community of people who are changing the way they view life's challenges and living life to the full. Until next time, goodbye.